Hey guys, welcome to the Justify Your Existence podcast feed from the Daily Journal Podcast Network. You might have heard that JYE is undergoing a bit of a platform change, and that's true. Going forward, this feed will feature a discussion about the SEC from Parrish Alford and Dalton Middleton, as well as the great Ole Miss content that Parrish has been bringing you right here in this feed. And soon, Dalton will have exclusive Mississippi State features for you to listen and interact with as well. So hit subscribe. Give us a rating and leave us a review to tell us what you like about the show. And feel free to reach out with any questions or feedback through our email, digital at journalink.com. Call us, 662-842-2611, or direct message us on any of our social media feeds. Thank you from the Daily Journal. Now enjoy this episode of JYE. Welcome in, everyone, to an episode of Justify Your Existence podcast. This is a, a little different than the normal one. I know Parrish Alford is usually running this thing, but uh, he is not here today. So it is just me, Dalton Middleton, the Mississippi State beat writer for the Daily Journal in Tupelo. And this is going to be an exclusive Mississippi State-only podcast, be the first one on Justify Your Existence. And uh, I am joined by the one, the only Mississippi State baseball fan, MS State baseball fan, Um Big time guy on Twitter, big time guy on Facebook. Uh, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah, no, it, it, it's my honor here. You know, you, uh, if you guys don't know who he is, uh, he has almost twenty thousand followers on Twitter. Uh, I think over a little over five thousand on Facebook. On MS uh, State baseball fan on on Facebook and MSST baseball fan on uh on Twitter. So give him a follow. He's in the end. He's in, he's in the know on all things Mississippi State baseball. If it's on Twitter or on Facebook, he's got it. But uh, so really, we're, we're going to get started. And before we start talking about the team, you know, I you've been a, a fan, according to your Twitter bio, since uh, 1979. That's four full decades you've been a fan, a little, you know, six, a little pieces of six decades, man. What is what has it been like for you? That's a long time to be a fan of Mississippi State. There's a lot of ups and downs in there, a lot of a lot of heartbreak in there. What has it been like for you? Yeah, it's been heartbreak would be the the key word. Uh, we've come so close to uh, winning the whole thing, and that was in the '80s, and of course in 2013. But uh, June of 1979, I was uh, listening to Jim Ellis, and uh, when they were at Omaha, and I was just hooked. I was like 14 or 15, and I was just hooked. I just, uh, and then the second big hook was uh, the spring of 1983. Um, I was a, a senior in high school and just uh, watching, uh, going up to see the games and uh, listening to Jim Ellis again with uh, Raphael Palmero and Will Clark. And it was, uh, it, it just, the passion just kept growing for me. And uh, really and truly uh, the outlet was when uh in 2009 february 2009 i just i joined twitter and i started uh mess around on twitter and uh, noticed that there wasn't any mississippi state baseball fans on twitter so i created my account and uh that's where i'm at today mm-hmm. and you know you're doing a heck of a job on that and that's what sometimes my timeline i follow you and sometimes my timeline just you know five six mississippi state baseball things in a row and i'm just like oh yeah he's he's checking it for the day or he's checking it for this hour um but no, we'll, right. we'll jump right into this team. You know, you mentioned uh, Rafael Palmero and Will Clark and all them, and this team, 2021, 
going to be is expected to be really, really good. I mean, of course, every every team across the country is going to be really, really good this year because of COVID, allowing so many players to return and the shortened draft and everything. What uh, how good do you think this team can be? I mean, uh, you're kind of a uh, you might know it a little more than me since I've been focusing on football and basketball the last few months. And uh, what do you kind of think about this just this team just overall going into the season next week? Well, it has a chance. Uh, they have a chance to win the national championship. It's just mm-hmm. plain and simple. They have, they have the the best pitching staff, talent wise, uh, ever. It's as simple as that. They uh, they can bring in long relievers off the bench and go all weekend, all week if they wanted to, with talented arms. I, I'm I'm gonna take a wild guess, not really a wild guess, but it's probably about five to eight, five to nine pitchers on the staff who could very well be a major league baseball player. Right. And, and I agree completely with that, but we're going to take a little deep dive into the pitching staff in a little bit, but uh, I guess we'll start off with the big news of, uh, I guess this, the rest of this earlier this week. And uh, you posted about it. I've seen a couple people post about it, but uh there has been no official word yet from the team or the SIDs, but uh, Braylon Skinner uh, transferred Mississippi State from Northwest Community College. Uh, it apparently is out with a with a hand injury. I know you you said it uh, could have been a broken hand. Um, I've seen a couple of people say that. A couple of people say it's a little minor injury, but that is a it's a big loss for State. You know, he was he came in from Northwest and looked like he was going to take over that left field spot, but also possibly start in center field over Rowdy Jordan and Rowdy Jordan go to left. That's just how good of a fielder he's supposedly is. I haven't seen him play. Um, but that's a big loss for state. If, if that happens, what have you, uh, I mean, I know you've heard a little bit about that, but what are you, what's kind of your take on that and how big that is for state this weekend. And I guess the next month or two. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really big. The first, the first three games, obviously, because uh, the field we're playing on is very, very big in the mm-hmm. outfield. And he's very fast. And, um, um, you know, he should be back in about four weeks. That's the word I'm hearing. But it's mm-hmm. probably just one bone that is cracked or or uh, probably cracked. Probably diving for a ball would be my guess in the outfield. But the best thing about it is it's his right hand. And he is a left-hander. He throws left and bats left. So, right. That's that's a bright spot if there is a, a bright spot. Yeah, and you, you say four weeks. Sometimes injuries like that can last a few more weeks than that. Um, whenever he's trying to recover, especially if uh, by that time I think State might be getting close to SEC play. Um, that's correct. And in his place, you know, I, I would imagine that you're going to be they're going to be thinking about between Brandon Pimentel and uh, Brad Compass out there. You know, Pimentel started. Well, I think 13 games in left field last year. So it could be uh, his spot out there. But, you know, he has uh, struggled at the plate from what I've heard in the spring. I think he was only about a 190 hitter last year. Um, Incumbus is, you know, he came from the – he plays football as well. So coming from the football team, I'm sure it takes a little longer to adjust from that than uh, Pimentel, who's been there the whole whole fall. What do you kind of think about that competition between them two now in left field with, with, uh, uh, with Skinner out? Yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, it is rather close. Uh, I have seen some uh, video games, some games uh, this mm-hmm. this spring, and Combust made a heck of a grab. Uh, I believe Saturday, uh, 
uh, Kellum Clark hit a uh, slice one over his head and was going to, uh, it was going to be a home run, but uh, Brad Combus reached over the fence and caught it and took a home run away from, um, from Clark. So he's very capable. And like I said, speed is going to be essential in the big ballpark at Arlington. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say he's going to be, he's going to be the starter, Brad Cumbus, and then Rowdy would, you know, be in, be in center. Uh, another one that might, might come in late because of his speed and his defense would be uh, Kite McDonald. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from Texas and he's a, uh, they might say he's a sophomore, but he was going to redshirt last year. He's a freshman redshirt. So right. he's, he's a, he's a pretty good defender. I've seen him play, uh, not last fall, but the fall before. And yeah, he's, he's capable of, uh, running down balls in center field. So he might be a defensive replacement late in games. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I say, I know Cumbus can play out there. I didn't see that catch that you, you mentioned, uh, him robbing the home run. I did see one, uh, that the Twitter account, uh, the, the official Mississippi State baseball Twitter account tweeted out him making a little diving catch, look like in the uh, in the gap, running towards the uh, infield. It's a pretty good little catch. Um, That's right. But uh, yeah, if, if, you know, if he's playing as well as he is in the field, and you know, got the speed, yeah, I would I would have to agree with you that that might be the spot out there for now, especially with uh, maybe Pimentel's inconsistency at the plate. Um, but I, I guess uh, kind of moving in, you mentioned Kellum Clark, and he's one of those guys that's a uh, in another one of the position battles on the team right there at third base with, with, a, with a couple of guys, I think there's what, three or four guys there, Kellum Clark, uh, Lane Forsyth, I think, uh, Landon Jordan, uh, Tanner Leggett. There's a lot of guys there and it's, you know, some might be, might end up being, you know, who's, who's pitching against the team depends on who plays there. But uh, what do you kind of think about that one? I know Landon Jordan uh, from what I've seen is hitting about 400 in the spring so far in scrimmages and everything. So he's probably has the most experience. I think he had 12 starts last year, mostly at DH, um, but had a couple starts at third base. What do you kind of think about that one and how that one's going to turn out over the course of the next few weeks as they try to get one solid? Well, going into the, the Arlington tournament, I think he's going to start first mm-hmm. on Friday because the, all six teams are going to be so pumped up and the adrenaline is going to be so, so big that uh, I think uh, experience matters. And uh, Texas is going to throw a right-hander, Ty Madden, who is a mm-hmm. first-team All-American, and uh, Landon Jordan bats left. So I think that's, that's uh, I think I'm going to go with Landon on, on, on Friday. Saturday, TCU is most likely going to pitch a left-hander. So uh, Tanner Leggett might get get the nod there since he's a senior junior slash whatever and he's he's experienced uh, they're probably gonna uh slowly uh play the the true freshman because you know arlington's gonna be fifteen thousand fans right. or more uh it's in a dome it's in a major league park um so it's gonna be a lot of a lot of nerves and um, so you really got to just be careful with the true freshman. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's extremely talented. He, uh, you know, I saw him a little bit in high school. I've been covering high schools for the last three years, uh, working for the journal before I got this job this summer. And, you know, I'm from the, the Brandon star area down there. And so I knew of this kid and, you know, he's really good. He got a lot of power, but I have seen he's been playing a little first base as well in uh, the spring and, and scrimmages and such. And it's kind of curious to me if um, 
they think maybe he might be that the next first baseman or if he's a better fit over there, better fielder over at first base, maybe behind uh, Josh Hatcher instead of third base. You know, I don't know yeah, what to do with him. Yeah, I think he's I think he's going to be the first the backup first baseman. I, I think uh, the fall, I believe the fall. Lane Forsyth and Davis Mesh never did play over a third from what I from what mm-hmm. I gather. So they were trying Kellum Clark over there and uh, his defense, you know, it's just it's just different being on the hot corner than being in first base. And um if you've seen some of the video of uh, Kellum at first, he's a very good defender at first. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't seen any of them at first. I've just seen, uh, I think I've just seen that he was playing over there and saw, you know, some of the, the lineup boxes and stuff like that. But, you know, maybe that's a better role for him, especially if, you know, Landon Jordan goes over there and takes that third base spot and he can, he can kind of be that backup guy if uh, anything happens to Hatcher or, you know, or just sit there for a year and, get some experience in some, in some of the other games where Hatcher might sit out or that might not need him as much. Um, and I can tell you a little nugget here that mm-hmm. uh, don't be shocked if Kellum Clark plays first base and uh, Josh Hatcher goes to left field. Yeah, that, that would, that wouldn't surprise me at all, honestly, especially with uh, some of the struggles of the left fielder and Hatcher can kind of utility guy can kind of play in a couple different spots. That's right. But, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a couple other positions that, uh, you know, DH is probably the only other position battle, I guess, which is kind of not really position battle. They're just going to throw a bunch of guys in there. But uh, I would imagine Luke Hancock kind of takes that position, especially with Logan Tanner uh, behind behind home plate. I mean, you can't really – Hancock is good behind the plate, but you can't replace Logan Tanner's arm back there. Um and so Hancock's been a pretty consistent hitter from what I've seen, you know, in, in the spring, you know, he was kind of inconsistent last year and had some injuries and stuff, but uh, I would think, you know, especially with uh, you mentioned, you know, uh, Ty Madden pitching on Friday night against Texas, Luke Hancock, a lefty might grab that, uh, that opening day, not at DH. Uh, yes. That's, that's, that's what I would think the, uh, the starting DH would be Luke and Case Gardner, mm-hmm. uh, the right-handed uh option at dh uh he's he's been pretty good i've seen i've seen some video uh this this spring and he doesn't really strike out that much and he puts the ball in play and he can steal bases yeah there's a maybe that'd be an option to put him in there especially because it sounds like uh it sounds like it is i mean mississippi state's lineup it seems to be pretty uh you know lefty heavy at at some points it's going to be you know um so you're going to have to throw in some of those right-handed batters every once in a while to kind of mix things up. That's right. Um, but then, you know, we'll take a little deep dive into the pitching staff. You know, that's what's going to be the strength this year. The pitching is going to be way ahead of the hitting, I feel like, to start the season. There's going to be a lot of low-scoring games in this uh, this Arlington uh, matchup, these little series. What do you think about this weekend rotation that State has? I mean, there is a lot of people that are talking about this could be the best rotation in school history which obviously, you know, you kind of touched on that earlier, how you said, you know, this team has the talent to win national championship. And uh, I've seen a couple of guys say that this weekend rotation, which is going to be Christian McLeod, Will Bedner, and Eric Sarantola, which is what the three that people are saying that's going to be right now, um, that all three of them could potentially be first-round picks. I mean, what do you kind of think about how good this weekend rotation can be? Well, it's, it's definitely going to be uh... – if they play up to their potential, they are they they would be the the best rotation we've ever had. 
I know that uh, uh, my my memory is just not that good. But in 91, 92, we had a couple of first rounders on the staff and they were Friday and Saturday. But we always we never really had the third guy, you know. And um, but this year we got we really got five or six guys that could be in the rotation. And that tells you how talented uh, Sarantola and, and Bednar and McLeod is, is that uh, they're just a little bit better than the other guys. Right. It's a little wild to think about that, uh, them having five or six guys that could be in the, in the rotation. Because uh, you think about, I think, whenever I was at school at State, it was uh, right around the year that Mangum got there. Um, and I remember those Sundays – I mean, heck, they were pitching Jake Mangum on there some Sundays because there just wasn't there wasn't a clear cut guy or there wasn't enough pitching. And now you're sitting here thinking about there's six guys that could be a Saturday starter or something like that. It's a little wild just how a few different how a few a big difference a few years can make, and especially with That's COVID coming back. But but yeah, you know, and when you talk about the three weekend guys, you know, Christian McLeod had such a good year last year. Will Bedner was so good last year as well, and then Eric Sarantola. It's kind of the, you know, the Sunday guy. Everyone's kind of, you know, not talking about him as much as, as having a good good pass and good stats as the other two guys. But uh, I know Aaron Fit with D1 Baseball went on a podcast or something the other day and said that it's possible that uh, he could he could be the number one overall pick just off of his, his stuff that he has, you know, just the raw ability he has. I mean, do you think that he has the potential to be, you know, a, one of those, one of those guys just from what you've seen from him or seeing how much he's improved. Oh, most definitely. I saw, I saw video of him last week and when he pitched, he had 40 pitches, 31 for strikes. And a lot of the outs were on first or second pitch mm-hmm. because the, the pitch looked so good. They hit it and they were, they got out. And the, the less pitches you pitch, obviously, the longer in games you can go. And obviously that leads to success. And, of course, his, his curveball is rated by a lot of pro scouts as the best curveball coming out of college. Right. And, of course, at 6'5", 230 pounds, he has the, the frame for it. It's just inexperience, plain and simple. You know, he was a hockey player for in Canada during his high school career. He, he wasn't really on the travel team baseball. and. He started late, and uh, he's really probably what less than five years of being a, a baseball player. Right. Yeah, and you know when we had our media days last week, uh, Coach uh, Foxhall was telling us about how he's made the the most improvement out of any pitcher on the staff probably over the last year or two years or so, and how you know, he's really starting to work on his command and control of his fastball, and how it's always been a good fastball. He's always had kind of a devastating fastball, but he's really worked on his change up in his curveball this year, like you just mentioned and how that's just made his fastball so much better. And of oh, course yeah. you start getting some pitches like that and all of a sudden your draft stock starts going up, but to be the number one overall pick, you know, there's a lot of really good players in this draft, especially, you know, the two guys from Vandy who were, I think are what projected like the one and two best pitchers in the, in the draft and Kumar Rocker and Jack leader. How do you think he stands up to those kind of guys? If you know too much about them, I, I'm sure you follow a lot of the teams, you know, especially around the SEC. Well, Kumar has the uh, his freshman year. He started a lot of games and he dominated a mm-hmm. couple of those games. That's what he has over uh, Sarantola. Sarantola just doesn't have, uh, you know, a game where he just dominated for six or seven innings. He just doesn't have that yet. Right. And this is his this is his year to shine. And Jack Leader just has a, a famous father who was a major league player and 
he just has uh, you know a month, uh, three or four starts in college. That's all he has, and um, it's, he just has to go out there and compete every every weekend. And obviously, uh, I think uh, in Arlington, um, going into the tournament, I. Texas Tech is the best team out of all the six, and they have the most the most potent offense. Uh, Texas would be number two, my number two. Uh, so, and we play Texas Tech on a Sunday, so that would be uh, I would leave Sarantola on Sunday just to deal with Texas Tech. Makes sense, especially with how people are saying how good he's gotten. That would make sense to me as well. Well, you mentioned earlier the five or six guys that could be in this rotation. One of those guys is uh, Landon Sims, who's made so many strides over the last two years. And, uh, you know, when we had media days last week, they talked about how this is a guy that could possibly make his way into the weekend rotation later in the year. And to me, I'm, I think about that, and it's like the weekend rotation is already so stacked um, that it's hard for me to think that there's going to be a player move into it with how good they are unless one player you know, gets injured, of course. But um, do you see Landon Sims as one of those guys that, you know, I know he's talented enough to make it to the weekend rotation, but that might work his way in there one day? Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, that's why Scott Foxhall, uh, he dropped a little bomb on you when he said that uh, uh, there's a chance that, you know, the starter could go four and then mm -hmm. the next guy up could go five. And I believe he was, he was insinuating Landon Sims. Right. Because, right. you know, you can have – Will Bednar go in and just um, not not do as well as expected, and then just bring in uh, Landon Sims and just let him go the whole the whole game. Mm -hmm. Another one of those guys uh, that can kind of do that and come in and pitch those long innings. Maybe not off the start of this season because it's coming off an injury, but to me is Brandon Smith. Um, no, there's oh yeah, was so good two years ago. Uh, just just. Just so good. And then, of course, last year he gets injured, misses. I don't remember if he missed the entire season or if it was a preseason or one of the first few games, but he misses, you know, basically the entire season. Um, now he's back. I think he's sitting between 88 and 91 from what they were telling us last week, if I if I remember that correctly. And, you know, that's going to be a guy that he's kind of the dark horse for me, you know, the, of the the most least talked about people on the, on the pitching staff because uh, everyone's so talented now. But that's a guy that I could also see uh, playing that role that you just mentioned, Landon Sims coming and throwing five innings if someone struggles, especially on like a Sunday or something, you know, how the SEC Sundays get. Oh, yes. And, of course, uh, against uh, like Louisiana Lafayette during the midweek, he could get a start and go four or five innings. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, Brandon, as the season progresses and it gets warmer and his uh, muscles loosen up and he really starts to let it rip, uh, there's no, there's no end in sight for him. He could, he could, uh, like I said, we got, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. We got six or seven guys who could be a, a starter on the weekend. Yeah. We keep throwing all these guys out there and we don't even mention, you know, the closers and Spencer price and all these guys in the back of the, you know, back of the bullpen who are so good and have been so good the last few years. But, uh, you know, I kind of mentioned Brandon being my dark horse. Who do you think is the dark horse of this pitching staff for you? Uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and say Davis Rocos. I guess mm -hmm. that's how you say his name, but he's a, he was going to pitch. He got kind of got hurt at the beginning of last year. And I think he was going to, if the year played out, he was eventually going to pitch, but he's a left-hander from Georgia. He's six, 195, but 
this past weekend, he struck out five of the six batters that he faced. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what he did in high school. He just struck out so many pitch, uh, so many hitters in high school. He's just, uh, he's sneaky good. And I think he's another one that I'm going to put as a long reliever mm-hmm. that can come in, uh, right behind somebody. And especially since, uh, he's a long reliever that's lefty, he can come back. He can come, you know, in case they're hitting the righties, we just come in with him and he can just rock through the uh, the rest of the lineup to the end of the game. Yeah, another one of those guys is uh, Houston Harding, who's kind of played the, you know, the weekday starter. He can kind of do the same thing. And then you have a couple other freshman pitchers that are young, Jackson Fristo, uh, Mikey Tepper. I imagine those two guys, as they get warmer into the season, uh, can uh, get longer into the season, get a little warmed up. Those guys can start making some appearances and everything. And then, I had kind of some high hopes for Cade Smith uh, coming out. Yeah, I covered him the last few years at DeSoto Central, and, you know, they won the state championship the last two seasons, and he's just been pure dominant in high school. Just nobody could touch him in high school. And then um, I don't think he's pitched at all this spring. I don't know what the deal is. I haven't heard anything about him. But, uh, you know, maybe he's going through an injury or maybe he's just behind. I know uh, Lamonis and Fox Hall had mentioned a couple of guys being behind a few weeks um, that won't that won't be playing uh, in Arlington. Maybe he's one of those guys. But – He's got a lot of talent. He's a lot of raw talent. He could be some. He could be good in the future. Oh yeah, so he's he's a. Uh, you know we're gonna lose a ton next year. I mean this year uh, in June. So he's he's. Uh, I haven't pinned in for a, a weekend rotation next year. Yeah, that would, that would make sense. I mean, I don't know if you ever saw him in high school or not, but man, he can he can he can sling it. Um, but I guess, you know, moving away from the pitching staff, we'll hit up one more position, I guess, before we uh, before we get out of here. And um, that's second baseman, Scotty DeBrule comes in. What a pickup for State, you know, in the offseason. That, that kid is, a, is an experienced, he's a seasoned veteran, you know, started four years at Jacksonville University. He comes in, he takes the second base role. He, you know, doesn't have the power that Justin Foskey had last year. There's, I mean, that's not even a question, but – I mean, how big is that for State to get a guy like that to come in in, in second base after losing one in the first round of the draft? Yeah, that, that's how good the coaching staff is of uh, looking looking toward the future. And um, as soon as he committed on Twitter, I got a couple of messages from people in Venice, Florida, and they said, we're going to love him. He's a dirt bag. Mm-hmm. He's, a, uh, he's always diving for balls. He's always hustling. Uh I believe my memory serves me correct. Uh, Jacksonville beat Florida last spring, and he he's the one that had the winning hit uh, versus Florida at Florida Field. So he's very experienced. He's a very good defender, and uh, we just need him to uh, to catch all the balls, turn double plays, and get on base. That's right. that's pretty much what we need. And it seems like he can do both of those things. I think he has 294 career hits. I wrote a story about him and Cameron James. Uh, that's going to be in, in Friday's Daily Journal. That uh, about them two just you know meshing together and playing that middle infield together. And I think he has 294 career hits, which is the third among uh, active players in NCAA right now. And then obviously he uh, he won the the yellow jersey from Lamonas for being the best uh, defender. And I think it was in a specific scrimmage or a weekend. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, obviously he's that guy out there that can that can kind of play. And Cameron James, when in media days, I, I had a long conversation with him about about Scotty, and he had nothing but great things to say about him. So, I mean, um, you know, he, he, one of the best defenders on the team, 
you know, just always gets on base. And when he's on base, he just makes, you know, he makes, makes things awful for the pitchers, you know, with, with his ability to steal bases and everything. And so that should be, it should be a fun, a little fun little player to watch. And Lamonis said in media days that, uh, He's a guy that can bat lead off. He can bat four hole. He can bat six holes. So that's kind of a guy they can imagine will experiment with going forward in the lineup and just kind of play him wherever they need it's him. Gonna be, uh, it's going to be interesting, the lineup, uh, for the first few games to see what he does. But, uh, yeah, we're going to – I think we're going to steal a little bit more bases this year uh, than 2019. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I, and I liked uh, when we were talking to Lamonis and he was he was really honest with us. Someone asked him about the power and uh, I don't remember who it was, but someone asked about just the home run hitting power that the, that state might have. And he said, no, we're just gonna be middle of the pack. You know, we're not a home run hitting team. We're gonna hit a few out. But, you know, we're just getting on base. We're stealing. We're stealing bases. You know, we're we're hitting for contact. We're hitting singles, moving runners over. And I you know that that's fun baseball to watch I me. Mean, everyone loves the home runs. But it's just something beautiful. If you're a baseball fan, just watch somebody steal a base and then all of a sudden a single center field scores them. And that's just, he steals a base, another single, just something beautiful about it. Yeah. I think uh, this year with the, uh, uh, with the uh, amount of pitchers that everyone has, it's, uh, it's really our advantage that we're going to uh, hit a lot of singles and doubles and steal bases. Um, uh, I think, I think we're really going to do well this year. Yeah. All right, we're going to see States opens up the season next Friday against Texas at 11 a.m. in Arlington. Are you going to be making the trip down there or over there, I guess? No, I can't make it. I got I got family stuff I have to deal with and uh, I have to go to. So I can't I can't do it. I, I, I was looking forward to it for so long and mm -hmm. something came up. So but I will be uh, uh, watching it and. Uh, scouting the other teams because obviously we play all Arkansas and Ole Miss and then uh, most likely we're going to see the three Texas teams uh, in the regional super regional round right well I am uh, luckily I will be there I'll be covering both state and Ole Miss Parish will be here covering uh, the Ole Miss and Mississippi State basketball game next weekend while I'm covering baseball so but that's going to wrap up this show everybody uh Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to uh, follow along, subscribe to justify your existence on all your, wherever you listen to your podcast at. And uh, be sure to follow along on the, the Facebook page, Mississippi State Discussion with Dalton Middleton, hosted by the Daily Journal. And then follow Mississippi State Baseball Fan on Facebook and Twitter for everything Mississippi State Baseball. Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on here with me. I hope I can, we can get you again sometime. Yes, sir. I'll be, uh, uh, pleased to come back maybe like right before SEC play or or in the middle of the SEC because it's going to be a great year this year I agree